0: The title of my message is "Born on the Fourth of July." You might be wondering, Pastor, like, it's Thanksgiving. What are you talking about, Fourth of July, right? But in 1989, there was a movie. How many of you guys were born in 1989? <laughs> Don't raise your hand, okay? None of you guys were born in 1989. But in 1989, there was a movie that came out called "Born on the Fourth of July," starring the heartthrob Tom Cruise. You guys know who Tom Cruise is? Yeah. He's a hard-throw, right? Okay, maybe not. Maybe he's not, right? But the movie Born on the Fourth of July, starring Tom Cruise, was released. Okay? Um. Anyways, I'll tell you, since none of you guys have watched it. you None of you guys have watched it, right? Nope. Okay, not your kind of movie. So, you don't need to watch it. I'll tell you what it's about. But the movie is based on the true story of a dude named Ron Kovic. Have you guys heard of Ron Kovic? Okay, so... Ron Kovic, okay, he's the typical, patriotic, all-American dude, right? He comes from a small town, he's an athlete, you know, a football player. He surprises his family by one day saying, hey, I'm going to join the army, right? So he decides to join the army, and he enlists with the Marines during a time uh, during the Vietnam War, right? So he decides to go, and the family is surprised, his town is shocked. But when he gets to Vietnam, the glory of fighting in a war and being this patriotic dude, this all fades away super quickly. His enthusiasm, it turns into horror. And his excitement turns into confusion when he accidentally kills his own comrade, right? Accidentally, in, in the midst of battle. And then in the midst of all of that, he becomes paralyzed from the chest down uh, because of a bullet wound that he, he suffered in the war. So he comes home from Vietnam because they don't, usually don't have, you know, injured people stay in Vietnam fighting. Okay? They put him in a hospital, uh, which ends up becoming a living nightmare for him, right? He becomes depressed, he gets discouraged, ultimately he ruins his life, and he finds himself drunk and destroyed in Mexico. But eventually in the movie, we find him, he's turning his life around, he pulls himself together, but this is all while st- he is still paralyzed. Okay? So for me, I don't know about you, it's hard to imagine being paralyzed. right? Sometimes we take it for granted, the ability to walk, to talk, to move around, to do things with our bodies. right? There was a Christian author by the name of Joni... Uh, Erickson Tata, and I'm sure you guys have never heard that. She's an author. She was also paralyzed from the neck down due to a diving incident, right? Have you guys gone like cliff diving before and stuff like that? You guys heard that? So I'll tell you a little story when I was in Tennessee working as a missionary uh, One of the things that they went yearly was cliff diving off of a 30-foot cliff, right? And so it's like, oh, that's not bad, right? You canoe to the place in this river and then you look at it and it's like, oh, whatever and you climb up and when you're looking 30 feet down like and you have to jump It's like the scariest thing in the world, right? Because you you can imagine, right? If you jump in and you get all the way and you hit the bottom, you can imagine that messes up your legs and the pain and stuff like that. But this is what happens when she goes diving and she injures herself and she becomes paralyzed neck now. And in her book, she writes about what it's like to have someone have to help you with literally everything, right? The simplest things of like getting out of bed, to brush your teeth, to wipe you after you go to the bathroom, to bathe you, Okay, to feed you she writes about this in her books and she says that after 30 years of living a life like this some people would think oh like you've gotten used to it now right but for her the reality is is every day is a struggle even though she's been doing it for 30 day, 30 years straight right she prays every morning and asks God for help to get over this right please like God like I need your help for another day And I'm sure some of you, if not all of you, have experienced this feeling of, like, helplessness, right? Have you guys had that feeling of, like, when you felt helpless, hopeless, like, you couldn't really do anything? Or, like, an obstacle where, like, you guys couldn't, like, overcome? I'm sure you guys had those kind of struggles. Just think about, like, kind of reflect on that, right? Whether it be a physical, spiritual, or mental battle, we all agree that this feeling of hopelessness is something, like, we don't want to experience, right? That's not a really positive feeling to have. Right? You don't want to like, oh, I want to feel hopeless today. Like, you, we don't think that way. I hope not, right? And the feeling of being totally helpless and dependent on others, at least for me, would be enough to put me like, into a very deep, dark depression. Right? I would go crazy if I couldn't do anything for myself. And most most of you would likely uh, feel the same. And I want you to think and imagine. I want you to think and imagine what it would be like before a time of things like wheelchairs, motorized chairs, rehabs, braces, hospitals, this modern medicine that we have. I want you to think about a time before that happened. And today, we're going to, if you have your Bibles or if you have your phones, if we can have some people read that. uh, But we're going to go ahead and talk about a man in this this story, uh, in the biblical times, that lived in a time like this, right? Where he was paralyzed with no benefit and no comfort that we have in today's modern world. So if you have your Bibles, uh, if you can turn to John 5, 1-15. to And I will quickly go through that. So if you can find a Bible, grab a Bible. 5, 1-15. to And we'll just read along. Actually, I'll just read it because I'll read it really fast. Uh, but if you can find it, just read along. John 5. Verses 1 to 15. Okay. So I'll go ahead and read that really quick. John 5, 1 to 15 says, Sometime later, Jesus went up to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish festivals. Now there is in Jerusalem, near the sheep gate, a pool, which in Aramaic is called Besida, which is surrounded by five cover colonnades. Here a great number of disabled people used to lie, the blind, the lame, the paralyzed. One who was there had been invalid or paralyzed for 38 years. When Jesus saw him laying there and learned that he had been in this condition for a long time, he asked him, Do you want to get well? The valid replied, Sir, I have no one to help me get into the pool when the water is stirred. While I'm trying to get in, someone else goes down ahead before me. Then Jesus said to him, Get up, pick up your mat, and walk. And at once the man was cured. He picked up his mat, and he began to walk. The day on which this took place was a Sabbath. And so the Jewish leader said to the man who had been healed, It is the Sabbath. The law forbids you to carry your mat. But the invalid replied, The man who made me well said to me, Pick up your mat and walk. So they asked him, Who is this fellow who told you to pick pick it up and walk? The man who had been healed had no idea who it was, for Jesus had slipped away into the crowd that was there. Later, Jesus found him at the temple and said to him, See, you are well again. Stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. And the man went away and told the Jewish leaders that it was Jesus who had made him well. Okay. So, how many of you guys are familiar with this story? Okay, I'm sure you guys have heard it, maybe a variation of it or whatnot, right? Now, to summarize once again, the man, okay, this man, he's laying beside a pool of water with a bunch of other sick people, right? And the reason why sick people were chilling at this pool was because what? There was this superstition. And what was that superstition? The pool made you well, well, right? They believed that angels stirred up that pool and the first person to get in would get better, miraculously, right? And we think of that now, it's like, you know, if we saw a pool of water, like, starting to get, like, stirred up, we think, oh, yeah, that's a jacuzzi, right? Like, we would think that, right? But back in these days, they're like, no, like, this this is the angel stirring at the pool, so we have to get in as soon as it gets stirred up, right? We look at it now, and we think it's ridiculous. It was simply a superstition that was thought of by the people. Now, the man couldn't get into the pool, right, regardless. Even if that myth was true, The issue was, what? Other people got in before he did, that was the problem. All he could do there was lay, next to the pool, watching other people jump in, supposedly get better, right? Now if you think about it even more, he couldn't do anything on his own, right? He couldn't eat on his own unless someone brought him food, he couldn't drink anything unless someone brought him something to drink, he couldn't even move without somebody having to move him, right? He had been considered an invalid for thirty-eight years. You guys none of you guys are thirty eight years old, right? <laughs> okay. So as he watches other people walk around, right, you can imagine. And live the people as people live their normal lives, you can imagine his anger, his frustration, right? Hopelessness and bitterness as he sees people get in, as people move around and do their thing. But this was all gonna change in the story, right? Jesus sees this guy laying by the pool and he learns about his condition from other people there. Right. Jesus then turns to the man and he asks the most important question that this man is ever going to get in his life. Right. The question of, hey, do you want to get well? Right? At first you might think like, that's a crazy question to ask, right? Why would you ask somebody that was disabled or invalid, sitting by a pool for 38 years, do you want to get well? That's like a no-brainer, right? Is that not? It's kind of a no-brainer, right? He you guys know what that means? <laughs> a no-brainer? It's like, isn't that obvious that the guy wants to get better? Like, he's sitting by the pool for a reason. He's been sick for 38 years. Why would he not want to get better, right? What's really interesting, if you look in the story again, right? The guy, he doesn't even answer Jesus' question, right? Simply, he makes an excuse. And he says what? Oh, no one can help me get into the water. Everyone else gets in before me. He complains that people get in there before he can get there. You can tell by his answer or his lack of answer to Jesus' question that he's full of bitterment and discouragement. But now if you think about it, there's a lot of reasons why this guy maybe didn't want to get healed. Think about it. right? Over the years, 38 years is a long time. He's probably become dependent on people for, for money, for food, for water. He's learned the art of begging. And if he got healed, what, what does that mean? He has to work. He has to figure his, his life out again. But by laying there, people bring him food, people bring him water. He doesn't have to do anything. What a life, right? Some of you guys are like that, like, you don't want to go to school, you wish you could just stay home all day. You guys not, don't have those feelings? You act like you're sick? Right? <laughs> okay. Right? You act like you're sick, and you're just like, oh, like I, I'm going to call sick, right? I did that all the time when I was growing up, right? I don't encourage that. But you can imagine. Laying there for 38 years, this guy could be pretty happy with where he's at, right? Maybe he doesn't want to get better. He couldn't blame other people if things went wrong. He couldn't blame people about it. It would be his responsibility. He couldn't get sympathy. The list simply goes on and on for the benefits of not getting better, right? And that's kind of the same with the world that we live in today, right? There are some things or some that truly want to be healed and are stuck in these crippling situations. But then there are some people that depend so much upon other people that they have no reason to get better. Right? The question of whether people want to get well or not. The question that Jesus asked the man in the story is a very relevant question to us today. Do we want to get well or better? But we go back to the story. right? Jesus then asks the man to do something. And the man's healing is completely dependent on whether or not he does what Jesus says. And Jesus says, get up, pick up your mat. And walk right now think about it even if this man right wasn't paralyzed laying down for 38 years you can imagine your muscles would shrink and become non-existence it would literally be impossible for you to get up and walk right but suddenly the guy he feels this rush this rushing feeling of life that goes through his body he obeys the words of Jesus simply gets up picks up his mat and he starts to walk Now the Bible doesn't say exactly how he was injured. Whether he knew how to walk because he was injured while he was like a teenager or whatever. Or if he was injured like that since birth. So 38 years old or even older. We don't see that in the Bible. But the point is this. We know that he was immediately cured from whatever it was. The moment that Jesus told him to get up and walk. Jesus doesn't criticize him for blaming others. Or his false understanding of the superstition that the pool held. Jesus simply said, just get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, the most amazing part of the story, it isn't even written in the story, right? You're probably thinking, like, well, Tim's, like, making up his own Bible or something, right? There's not one hint of this guy in the story whatsoever having any belief in God. He never asked to be healed. He was just simply some dude laying by the pool. What's even more amazing is that there's no expression of thanks when this guy is healed, right? In other stories of healing in the New Testament, we see that people break out in joy. They're so happy. They're filled with, with, with gratitude after being healed. Some fall at the feet of Jesus, right? Giving him praise. But this guy, right? He doesn't even bother, right? He doesn't even say thanks. And you might think like, what the heck, right? In Luke 17, 15 to 16, you don't have to turn to it. Jesus heals a leper. And it says, when he saw he was healed, the leper... He came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was a Samaritan. Luke 18, 43, it says that when Jesus healed the blind man, it says immediately the blind man received his sight and followed Jesus, praising God. When all the people saw it, they too also praised God. Another story in the book of Acts, Peter sees a man begging from the people in the temple courts who was crippled since birth. And the story, if you're curious, Acts 3, 2-10, and I'll read it to you really quickly. It says, Now a man crippled from birth was being carried to the temple gates called Beautiful, where he was put every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money, and Peter looked straight at him, as did John. And Peter said, Look at us. So the man gave him his attention, expecting to get something from them. But then Peter said, Silver and gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. So taking him by the right hand, He helped him up, and instantly the man's feet and ankles became strong. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he walked with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same guy who used to sit begging at the temple gate called Beautiful, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what just happened to him. Now, we see story after story in the Bible of healings happening and people showing gratitude. And this is the kind of response we would expect as well with the man in our story today. Right? But, there was absolutely nothing. No thanks, no gratitude, nothing. The healing takes place on the Sabbath, right? And as we know, it's against Jewish law. All the Jewish laws was like, ridiculous. You can't do anything on the Sabbath, literally. This guy's walking around the temple, breaking the Sabbath. Carrying a map, And the religious leaders approach him, get on his face and say, What the heck, man? Like, Why are you breaking our Sabbath? Right? And they ask him, Okay, who, who made you do this? And the crazy thing is this, is the man, what does he do? He blames Jesus, right? He says, the man who made me well, he said, pick up my mat and walk. So the religious leaders naturally become curious. Who is this crazy guy telling you to break the Sabbath, right? But in the Bible, it says that the guy had no idea because Jesus has slipped away. But the story gets even crazier. The man doesn't even make an attempt to find Jesus or figure out who he was, Right? If you have been crippled for 38 years, you guys even have been alive for 38 years, right? Wouldn't you naturally want to know who in the world healed you? Wouldn't you naturally want to know, like, who it was that made your life totally different, like, radically changed your life? Wouldn't you want to simply say thank you? Even for, like, the smallest thing, you know? Right? If someone, like, helped you with your homework, wouldn't you want to say thank you for that? If someone helped you, like, you broke down on the road and you needed a lift, someone helped you, wouldn't you be thankful? But in the end, Jesus ultimately comes and finds the guy, right? Jesus finds the man and says, see, hey, you're well again. So stop sinning or something worse may happen. Jesus was obviously concerned for this man's spiritual life, right? We see a Jesus that not only goes out and reaches out his hand and help people and get, make them better, but his concern extends beyond that, Right? Not only was the physical condition something Jesus was worried about, but Jesus also worried about the spiritual condition. Jesus cared so much that, it took, that he took the time to go and find this guy after all of this had happened. Even though Jesus did all of this for the man, there was no thanks, there was no gratitude, nothing, right? The last verse we read today says, the man went away, and what did he do? He, he tattletailed on Jesus, right? He told the Jews, hey, it was Jesus that made me well. He acts like a little baby. And he tells on Jesus. And it makes you wonder, why would Jesus heal a man like this? Why would Jesus go so far to do something for a guy like him? It wasn't like he was the only guy laying by the pool, right? It was a pool with a bunch of sick people. This wasn't a place that healthy people went to. No, I'm, I'm Put this into perspective, right? Because people did not go to this place where all these sick people were because they thought, if I go here... I'm going to be disqualified from temple worship. And that was a big thing for Jewish people. Right? But because Jesus knew that, right, Jesus chose to go into that place. Right? And that's the beautiful thing. Interestingly enough, the place, Bethesda, right, or translated, it's called the House of Mercy. Right? So Jesus healed the guy knowing the kind of person that he was. He healed him knowing that there were going to be complications. But you know, this isn't a story about some one paralyzed man in the Bible times. It's the story about you and I. It's about us, right? We are the paralyzed storms. We are dead in our sins. We're paralyzed and we're crippled. And we're stuck because of our rebellion. But Jesus came to a forbidden, dirty place. To come to you and I so that we could be forgiven and that we could be healed. And our reaction? Are we really thankful? Do we go looking for Jesus and follow Him? Do we fall at our feet, worshiping him? Do we live with grateful hearts? All of us have been healed by this guy named Jesus. God has healed each and every one of us. He healed us physically, spiritually. When we've been spiritually weak and hopeless, he gave us strength so that we could pick up our burdens and that we could walk. And it's Thanksgiving season, the day after, right? And it's funny because once a year, we typically come together, we eat great food, When we think about the things that we are thankful for. And we usually do this. I'm not saying everyone does this. But typically we do this once a year. But don't you think we should be more thankful than once a year. But rather every single day of our lives. Let's every single day of our lives. I want to challenge you. Every day. To want to follow him. To find him. And to get to know him better. Let's fall at his feet in praise and worship him. Because why? Because Jesus has been healing us three to sixty five days of the year.